following teaching is from the Warrior's Heart Bible Study for Men. You can find us on the web at warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day. Now, it's great to be with you. And um, so how many of you, let me kind of get a little feel um, uh, for you guys just a little bit. How many of you are fishermen? There's a lot of that around this area, ocean and otherwise. Hunters? Do we have any hunters here? All right. Sounds good. And um, how about cowboys? Any of you with a uh, ranch background? Anybody doing a little bit of, okay, a couple of you? Good. And uh, we do have our little Cowboy New Testament that's on scattered on some of the tables. And um, if any of you would like a copy of those and don't get one afterwards, Bob Devine, Bob, raise your hand over here if you would, right here in the in the brown shirt. Is that brown? I think it is. I've got some lights in my eyes here. But uh, anyway, um, Bob can take your name if you want to uh, get a copy of that or whatever. It's a, kind of a fun little project that God has wonderfully blessed. And I heard Bob mentioning to Jeff, um, just to God's glory, certainly. But uh, the first one of those, the Fellowship of Christian Cowboys, as Jeff mentioned, I think started in 1973. And I need to update my bio, I guess, Bob, because I've the Lord's let me share uh, share Him in 42 foreign countries now, as of last April in uh, Botswana and South Africa, and then um, um, all 50 states. So uh, I need to. I realize that whatever bio Eric got, I need to upgrade it. I guess. But uh, anyway, um, no no brag on that on myself, but simply the Lord's grace and blessings to get to do that. And I want to watch my time here, so we don't we don't waste our time on the Bible study. But uh, the New Testament was a project that I that I got to edit about 12 years ago, did interview. Basically, it's just an international, new international NIV version, uh, New Testament, but scattered throughout it are testimonies. The introduction to it is kind of to give to unsaved people that leads them. It says the title is The Way for Cowboys, which is obviously the way, the truth, and the life for everybody else, but they don't know that. So it's a sneaky trick, um, actually. Uh, I can give you a quick testimony on that. One of the heads of the wild horse program for the BLM um, was on a ride that that I do, 160 guys twice a year, uh, where we all the funds go to military families who've lost loved ones or have wounded, and and uh, called the Pikes Peak Range Riders. There's another one, uh, much larger, I think, organization Bob belongs to, Tejas Vaqueros. But anyway, um, so he was on that, and he was doing uh, for years. I did Cowboy Church for Michael Martin Murphy at Westfest, and. And Michael's a good friend, and, and certainly is, God has done a lot in his life, and he's walking with the Lord now and very strongly. And so anyway, this I'm walking by a booth, and this guy's there and his wife, and he said, Hey, Grant, my, I want a couple more of those New Testaments. It was the first edition of this for my boys. I said, I'll bring them back. I've got a case in the truck. So I got back there, and um, he was gone, but his wife was there, and she. I said, Can you get these to Ted? She said, Absolutely. Um, she said, by the way, I want you to know, um, he reads that every night now. He started out just looking at the pictures. Then he read the testimonies. Now he's reading the Bible every night. But he thinks that's the Bible God specifically wrote just for cowboys. She said, I got saved in college. He would never go to church, never read the Bible. But when he got this one, see, he'll read it and he'll go, honey, listen to this. That's why I didn't read that Bible of yours all those years. Listen to what God said to cowboys. Right here. So he reads her the passage out of the NIV. I said, don't tell him. 
We'll just let him keep reading it till God, till God gets a hold of him even more. So anyway, it's kind of fun to see what God does with that. But then we have one also, um, and Bob mentioned, I, I know to Jeff, that was one of our biggest shocks was about two years after the first edition, so about 10 years ago, nine years ago, got a call from International Bible Society and said, we just wanted you to know that's the most shipped New Testament to all of Europe. And I thought, Montana. You said Montana, Idaho? No, they said, no, all of Europe. Because they have an infatuation, apparently, with American cowboy. Uh, all of Italy, England, France, Germany, Switzerland. That's the most shipped New Testament because they love reading and look at the pictures, I guess, of cowboys. But it's God's Word, and God's Word never comes back void. So we're grateful for that. Let's get into God's Word. Um, I'm going to share with you this morning, and I know you're going to do some discussion starting uh, here in about 30 minutes from now or so, 25 minutes. And uh, I'll give you some questions when we get to the end. You can just write them down. Um, our young lady on staff asked me if I had anything to print, and I said, no, let me just play it by ear, and we'll get to the end there. But I want to read to you Romans chapter 5, verse 17. And I'm going to share with you on one word, different passages, different parts. The word is grace. Grace. Now, that's a word we hear a lot of. Some years ago, Chuck Swindoll wrote a book called Grace Awakening, because he was so burdened. Uh, how many of you read that book? Anybody? Okay. Uh, there's a lot of others. Max Lucado has two books out on grace, and they're both fabulous. There is so much. We, 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 if we're, we've been around church at all, whether we've received the Lord or not, we've heard the word over and over. Amazing Grace, one of the most um, played and sung songs by many, many people who unfortunately, uh, by their own testimony, have never received His grace, but they love singing the song throughout all the years, whoever, from rock groups to, to Joan Baez to whoever. And yet, we often miss, I think, a lot of what that word really means. As a matter of fact, after 40 years of ministry, this is my 41st year, maybe 42nd, now that we're in, wherever it is, a long time of having the privilege to share God's Word. Um, just in the last couple of years, I've realized more what it really means. And last summer in a cowboy church, we preach outdoors in Colorado every week. Um, on Monday nights, uh, I preached all summer on grace. And God just keeps showing me new and more things. And I'm kind of a heart preacher rather than a, a professor or, or a teacher that, uh, uh, although I've preached through the Bible in churches I pastored and done some things. As a matter of fact, years ago I preached at First Baptist and at Second Baptist, a couple of other things. Here's the passage. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Romans chapter 5, verse 17, if you've got your Bibles, but I'll read it to you. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through that one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. I like, I don't know how about you, I like that word. We're supposed to be reigning not just because it kind of sounds regal or um, kingly or whatever, but that we can go through things. And that's what God's great promise even in, in the 23rd Psalm. He, he promised not to leave us in the midst of the valley of shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through. He didn't say we'd never go through struggles, heartaches, problems, failures, sin, all kinds of things. He just said he'd bring us through those in his power and by his grace. So what a great passage that says that we can reign, that we, those 
who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign through the one Jesus Christ. So the secret, obviously, here of reigning in life, in living in victory in life, is God's grace and everything that God's accomplished for us on the cross. Here's the struggle. In our Christian life, and I pastored for years, I understand the motivation. You want to motivate folks to be witnesses, and you want to motivate them to be prayer warriors, and you want to motivate them to to um, uh, be givers. And so there's a lot of emphasis in all churches and in all religious organizations or parachurch organizations for motivation to the word do, D-O, do this, do this, and the don't do's. So we've got a whole list of don't do's and a whole list of do's. The problem is the, 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 the area of doing works. I mentioned last week at the rodeo on Sunday that uh, work works in the work w- world. That sounds good. Lots of W's. Work works in the work world. I'll have to patent that or something. But anyway, it does. It works in the gym. No pain, no gain. The harder you work, whatever you do, those things work. If you practice, it works in the Olympics as that we just watched. Obviously, they started young and, and they do a lot of that. But in the Christian life, works are divinely ordained by God. We'll get to that passage in Ephesians in a moment. What he wants to do through us, and that's the victory. But as far as our salvation, as far as our stand in Christ, as far as our victory in grace, it's not a matter of what we do. It's not do, do, do. It's done, done, done. It's what Christ has already done for us and what Christ is doing in us. So it's what he does. It starts with Christ, continues with Christ, finishes our Christian life with Christ. So in the world system, the gym, the office, the farmer's field, doing, doing, doing works. But the problem in the Christian life, or becoming a Christian particularly, if you focus on the word do, what can I do to become a Christian? You can miss the whole thing. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, verse 9, and then verse 10. Um, Many of you know, and you'll want to look that back because a lot of you, how many of you have that verse memorized? One of those. Any of you? Okay. Ephesians um, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. We're saved by grace, which is that word again. But again, we use it lightly. We use it frequently, and we often don't get into the depth of it. So we'll try to do a little bit of that today and hopefully more when you get to table talk. We're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God. Now, we've all heard that a million times. You can't pay for a gift or it's not a gift. If you buy a gift, it's not a gift. If you've earned the gift, it's not a gift. It's wages for what you earned. And so we're saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, not of doing, or we'd boast about it. It's not of ourselves. It's not of our works. So if we try to do it by works, we miss the whole thing instead of receiving it by grace. Now, here's the problem. There's two sides of that coin. The first side, most evangelical churches, certainly most Baptist churches, most folks who attend Baptist churches. I'm not certain about guys who are brave enough to come at 6.30 in the morning on a Thursday, but I'm pretty sure it applies to you too, would be pretty strong on Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that you're saved by grace through faith, that, that it can't be what you earn. But then the problem is, the other side of the coin often is then we need to live our life by our works. We... 
we uh, receive Christ as Lord and Savior by f- grace through faith, by God's grace through faith. But then, to s- not to stay a Christian, now we're dealing with eternal life, but not talking about or, um, um, eternal security. But I'm not talking about that. I mean, that's a great principle, but we'll, that's another subject. But um, what I'm talking about is, okay, for God to be pleased with me, I have to earn this status. For God to love me more, I have to do more. For um, God to be pleased with me or to bless me, I have to meet certain standards. I, I have to forget, I have, can't do any or very, very few of this list of don't do's that I've been taught through all my Christian or religious or Baptist or church life. And I've got to keep excelling in the do list or God's not going to bless me. He's not going to be pleased with me. So for many, the first side of their coin is correct. We're saved by grace through faith. But the other side of the coin is not a biblical standard, which is that we maintain it, or we maintain God's blessings, or we increase God's blessings, or His being pleased, or His love, or His forgiveness, or His joy with us, or His pleasing, uh, being pleased with us by what we do. There's two other words that we need to pl- plug in here. Unconditional love. Unconditional is one word, right? I'm just testing you because... Now, keep in mind, help me here, guys. In Colorado, there's a strange local habit and and actually a whole, just a whole mindset that when you move your head like this, it means yes. I don't know about Texas, but in Colorado, that works. And then if you don't, this means no. And then this one that I'm getting means that you've actually learned and been trained as Baptists to sleep in church with your eyes open. You're, you're missing everything. You're sound asleep, but your eyes are just like this. So move something for me to help me know you're awake this morning, if you would. Thank you. I appreciate that. I got three nods. There's another one. Okay, does that unconditional love? Unconditional love. Now, that would be one of the questions, if you want to write that down, guys, I'd like you to discuss today in a few minutes when we get to table talk. What does unconditional really mean? And second half of that question, what does unconditional love from God really mean? But first of all, just the word. If, in work or in sports or in whatever else, if, if something is unconditional, a rule or um, regulation or something like that, what does that really mean? What does unconditional mean? And secondly, what does unconditional love from God mean? So that's, that's one question or in two parts or two questions, however you want to handle it when you get to that. So I want you to think on these principles a little more. When you depend on self-efforts in the Christian life, instead of God's grace, you miss it all. Now you say, I understand that. You miss salvation. That's what it's saying. You'd brag about it if you earned it, and it wouldn't be grace, and it wouldn't be a free gift. But it also is the other way. Keep in mind what God's Word says. In the same way you were saved, continue to live every day thereafter. How were you saved? By grace, through faith. How do most Christians try to live their Christian life? By hard work and doing it themselves instead of by grace through faith. A little statement that I'd encourage you to write down. Um, I, I guess the way it's worded probably, I've been sharing it for over, almost 40 years, so I've forgotten if I read anything like it. I probably did, since there's probably not much original except what God gives us. But here's a statement that I've prayed most of my Christian life. 
and God has always blessed it. It's a true statement. It's one that will apply to every single situation in life. It's unconditional. It applies to every area. Here's the prayer. God, I can't. But you never said I could. You can, and you promised that you would. And yes, it purposely rhymes, so you can write it down. God, I can't, but you never said I could. You can, and you promised that you would. You're saying, well, preacher, if that's unconditional, where do you apply it? God, I can't be the godly man that you want me to be. I cannot do that in my strength. There's only one man that's ever lived a godly Christian life. There's only one man ever lived the perfect life. There's only one man that ever lived the Christian life. One, the Lord Jesus Christ. You go, well, that's discouraging. No, it's not. Where does he live today? Inside of you. So God, I can't live. I can't. You never said I could live the Christian life well or even close. But God, you can. And you promised you would. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory, the promise of victory the joy and strength to live the Christian life. Christ in you. So it's what we've often called in the 70s, kind of a watchword came about, the exchange Christian life. What it's saying is, is God, I can't do it. You never said I could in my strength. I couldn't save myself. I can't live the Christian life. I can't be the godly husband or father or prayer warrior or witness. God, I can't witness and and effectively see lives change. But you never said I could do that in my strength, by my power. But God, you can do it. And you promised you'd do it through me, Christ in you. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I get up, I go to work. Once a week, come to a Bible study early in the morning. I'm alive. I go to sleep at night. Sometimes I sleep well, sometimes I don't. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I. It's Christ that lives in me and the life I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. We're saved by grace through faith. We should, try to, we should live our lives every day by our hard works and determination to please God. Wrong. We should live every day and every aspect by grace through faith. His gift of that amazing grace, that unconditional love. Now, here's where it gets tough and controversial. There's certainly a division. Of course, Jesus Christ has always been the most divisive subject on earth, right? I mean, are you with me on that? I mean, you know, there's a, thank you. I, Matt, I pre, that is a enthusiastic <laughs> nod. I appreciate that. I mean, there's a lot of divisive things. Some people love to floss. Some people are normal, like us. I mean, who wants to make your mouth bleed every morning? I mean, it's just, but anyway, let's, some people love cats. We won't go there, but anyway. <laughs> right? But Jesus Christ is more divisive than anything that's ever been. I mean, look at it. That's it, where it is. And here's one of the big divisive parts. If you think... By you doing better, doing this. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not at all saying I'm going to get to verse 10 before we close here in about 10 minutes to be right on time for your table talk of Ephesians 2.10. But if you think that what you do makes God loves you, love you more, you're wrong. If you think he is going to bless you more because you didn't get upset when somebody cut you off on 610 or whatever else it is, you're wrong because what does unconditional love mean? His love. Now, I'm not saying he's pleased with everything we do. I'm not saying there's not consequences for things we do that are wrong or whatever. If I climb up on outside here and jump off in the courtyard or whatever else, I'm going to break something. That's just a law of gravity. I'm going to fall. And if I do stupid things, there's going to be results that are not pleasant. 
And God understands that. But what I'm saying is it doesn't affect his love. It doesn't affect his blessings. It doesn't affect what he's doing in your life with that. What's Ephesians 2.10 say? Let's go back to 8 and 9. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. What a great statement. It's a gift of God. It's not of works. Or we'd boast about it. I did more works than you, so I got a little higher. Whatever. Verse 10 says, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has beforehand ordained or laid out for us, that he has made divine appointments for us every day. Good works for us to get in on. I love that because I don't have to try to figure out how to make it work. If I'm in a, if I'm in a gas station, I'm in a convenience store, filling up with gas, going in to get something to drink, get an iced tea, get something, and there's an open door or a guy there or a gal there that I can share Christ with, it's exciting. I don't have to make it happen. I don't have to force it. It's a divine appointment that he opened the door for. I like to get in on those every day. And there's a number of them if we're just alert to them, if we're not just running through life blind in such a hurry with such a deal. And I'm as guilty of that as any of you. Uh, that we can just get so much on our agenda and our schedule and our calendar and our clock and our, our watch and our iPhone alarm and our whatever it may be, that we miss those divine appointments. But that's where the key and the victory is. Yes, good works is in the Christian life, but they're not our works, or we'd take credit for them too. Now, I understand there's crowns and glory and other things, but what I'm saying is scripturally, it's Christ living through you that brings the results. I like to put it this way. In the Christian life, if I do it, you can forget it. Matter of fact, I promise you, you will forget it. If whatever I'm doing today is all of me and my flesh and the Spirit isn't using any of this, you will forget it by the time you get to your car or the time you take your first call at work. If I do it, you can forget it. If God does it, nobody will forget it. It's the difference in my size and God's size, your size and God's size. You with me? Help me out. Okay. Boy, I'm getting about 10 of you now. I'm really impressed. So it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's, let's cover a few more things here. All the things in our Christian life, self-effort can't bring us the victory we want, the place it does in the work world and in the athletic world, but it doesn't in the spiritual world. It's, it's a different concept. So no self-effort can bring you salvation. No self-effort can bring eternal life. That's, that's acceptable to most evangelicals. But there's no self-effort that bring you, brings you God's favor and blessings more. If God's grace that gives us a new life in Christ, that same grace brings us those overflowing blessings of love and acceptance and generosity and goodness. As a matter of fact, the Bible says sometimes when he's wanting to correct us, he blesses us more in the midst of that. So we realize, God, why would I want to do that? And I mentioned last week, I usually try not to use the same illustrations, but poor Matt and Bob will have to hear this one twice. But one of my boys, I've got five children, three girls, two boys. One of them is a Nashville songwriter. He's also a guide and outfitter with his brother, and they do pack trips while I'm doing the hunts on the, a lot of the private property and other stuff. I've kind of evolved into that, and I still can pack out elk. I think I did about four of them on my back last year, um, going on 64, whatever. I'm not bragging on me. I give God all the credit for that. Got my last sheep on a 23rd day of, uh, or the 19th day, and got out, rode out 34 miles out of the British Columbia Mountains because we got snowed in. It was a 10-day hunt, and we got out on the 23rd day. 
by riding out 34 miles with pack horses. But anyway, almost lost two people. Our packer got jerked over a cliff and broke all his ridge with his horse. And and uh, one of our other helpers uh, was sliding down off the mountain in the snow with a, that, those kind of mountains in about a thousand foot drop. And the guide saved their life and just all kinds of crazy things. I can still do that. But I love doing the private land stuff because of the high success rates. I get to share. We do it as a ministry to share Christ with guys or to bless Christian men. So it's a lot easier to do it there, and my boys do that. But this boy has a wonderful voice, is a great songwriter, and uh, Mike Fuller that we had sing with his group at the Houston Livestock Show, Fuller Vintage Guitars off of 610, um, says, you know, just one of the best guitar players, and so several other people have told me. But he liked to eat dirt as a kid. I don't know what he did. Now, be honest, guys. You won't know, but did your mom ever tell you? No, don't, don't go there. I won't even ask you to raise your hand, but maybe you knew somebody that ate dirt. It was your best friend when you were three. Oh, okay, we got one right here. But anyway, I don't know, mineral deficiency, whatever they say. You like to eat dirt. I'd come home with something good. I mean, I'd have a great hamburger. I'd just pick up a bunch of stuff coming home, or I'd get some ice cream, and his mouth would be full of dirt. That reminds me of us a lot of times spiritually. That's why when God blesses us, he's trying to say, come on, dummy, spit out the dirt. And get in on the feast that I have for you to walk in all the blessings I've already paid for. It's not do, do, do. It's Christ has already done it. He wants to do it in your life, and it's already available if we receive it. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, we're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God. It's not of ourselves or not of works, but we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That he, I love the last part, that's the critical part, that he has laid out for us to get in on beforehand. He's already laid them out. He already has stuff for you today. He knows exactly where you're going to be, <clears throat> exactly who you're going to see, and exactly how he wants to minister through you, say something through you, love them through you, do something through you. In the Christian life, every aspect of it, I believe it's unconditional in that aspect as well. I'm not trying to mix that with his unconditional love. But in every aspect I can know of in 41 years of ministry, that statement works. God, I can't. You never said I could by myself. God, you can. You promised that you would. You promised that you could love the unloved me, love me through me. You promised that you could touch a life through me that I can't touch. You promised that you could forgive. That's a tough one, that you could forgive through me because that's a great breakthrough when we come to the place of saying, God, I can't forgive that guy. I mean, he did this to me, did this to me. He fired me or he ran off with my wife or he did this or he did whatever, and I cannot forgive that guy. But you never said I could. Lord, you can forgive him through you, through me. You believe that, guys? Remember him on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And how many of you saw the passion of Christ that Mel Gibson produced? And you saw the, the terrible beating and the scourging where it, where it wasn't near as bad as it was in reality, according to Mel, and he's right, because Isaiah says his visage in the King James, his image, was not even recognizable as a human being. It was even way worse than what we saw in that show, as hard as that was to sit and watch. And yet Christ loved you that much and gave that much for you. And then, but having been scourged and beaten like that, what did he say? Father, forgive them. 
I've seen some of the worst circumstances imaginable. A young man watched his father killed, watched his dad shot, hated, dreamed, and thought every day of the man who'd done that, became a Christian as a young man, grew in his Christian life, married a Christian gal, had a wonderful family, and God put on his heart, I want you to go see that guy. And he hated it, and it was like, I'm going to do it one time. And he walked in, the guy wouldn't even look at him, the prisoner, in prison for life for murdering his dad. And God put on his heart, go back again. And then he went back again. And then his wife baked cookies, and he took them. And after several years, he got to lead the man to Christ who murdered his father. Now, when I heard that, I thought, and I heard his testimony personally, I thought, God, I can't do that. I couldn't do that. And then I realized neither could he. But God can through him. By the way, it got, it got a little tougher. After some years, he got a call from the parole board that said, this guy is close to death. He may only have months to live, maybe a year. Nobody's ever visiting but you. The board has decided he has no family. He could be released if there was somebody to take him in their home and care for him till he dies. And they did. Until the guy died. You say, that's impossible. It absolutely is. Isn't that wonderful how good God does the impossible? Second one I heard, I was preaching in Payson, Arizona, as we finish. And a lady came to me after, but it was a strange thing. I don't know the size of this auditorium because it's a different one than I was in many, many years ago when John was here. But um, when she walked in the back door, she looked different. I turned to my buddy that was leading music. I said, you see that lady? He goes, yeah, she's been here at the luncheon meetings and... Every night, I think, I said, does she look different? He went, whoa, she does look different. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why we're looking at this lady before we have worship, but she looks really different. Maybe she got her hair done different or something's different. I don't know. We did. We had the service. Afterwards, she came up and said, Pastor, I want you to know I don't even go to this church. I was driving by on Sunday morning, and I just, for some reason, just pulled in the parking lot and came in. When I heard you said you were going to be sharing on forgiveness at the luncheon meetings, I came to every one. My husband, my first husband, had an extreme temper. We had our first child, and I watched him in anger one night grab that child by the legs and smash his head against the wall and kill him. Then he left. He lied, he got alibis, and he got off scot-free and never went to prison. As a matter of fact, it got worse because my mom and I were so devastated. She was with me that we sat and cried. We went and got coffee and cried. We went home, and he had ransacked my home and taken almost our home and almost everything of value, and I've never seen him since. But every day and every breath I've taken since then, I've dreamed about seeing him die and suffer. I've hated him. I have lived to hate him. It's ruined two other marriages because if those guys did anything close to what he did in any area, the way they squeezed the toothpaste tube, I blew up, lost it, caused that problems, and have been divorced twice more. But when you said yesterday at noon, there's nothing anyone has ever done to you. I'm not lessening rape, incest, abuse, murder. But there is nothing anyone's ever done to you that compares to what your sin did to the Holy Son of God. You with me, guys? That was your sin and mine. And nothing anyone's ever done to you compares to what your sin did to him. And yet, he loved and forgave you. And he can forgive through you no matter what their sin has been to you. And she said, I went home and and just poured out for hours in tears and said, God, I can't do it. I heard you say that. And I said, God, I can't. I can't. 
And I didn't even really want him to do it through me. But finally, I got to the place of saying, God, at least do something through me. And then at least, and finally, it got to where early this morning, I prayed and said, God, at least save him. And even if you want to bring him back in my life so I can share Christ with him and his forgiveness, I'm willing to do that. You know why she looked different when she walked in the back of a room clear across there? Would you think that maybe 35 or 40 years of hatred every second would affect the way you look? And would you think maybe honestly, if that was gone and you were free from that, it might make you look a little different? She really did. I mean, she looked like she had a million pounds off her heart and her shoulders because she did. I can't imagine watching a baby die like that. But I'm telling you, in every circumstance, the statement to God is right. I can't. I can't, I can't live it. I can't do it. I can't be that. But you never said I could in my strength. God, you can. You promised you would through me. You live in me. Let's do it. Let's close in prayer for right now. I'm going to ask God to bless you during your discussion times. If you have questions afterwards, some of you will have to leave quickly. Others have a few minutes. Love to share with you whatever God has. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these men. I don't know them. The joyful thing is you know everything about every one of them. And you love them. For most of them, I would guess you've saved them. If there's any you haven't that never have opened their life to you and received your forgiveness of sin and a new life of Christ living right inside them, Almighty God, the Creator, living in their bodies, I pray you'd open their heart to that right now and draw them to yourself. But for every man also, would you just share through them and bless through them and build bonds and relationships that we need with other men this morning as they share in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We hope you can join us in person. We meet Thursday mornings at 6.30 a.m. in the Fellowship Center of Houston's First Baptist Church. For more details and to register, you can visit us on the web at warriorsheart.org. That's warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day.